as I was biking by in these people's window, and they were watching TV, and they were just destroying like Chinese food <laughs> together in tandem and just staring blankly at the television. And they just looked so like, I was like, God, us, you know, living beings and consuming, and it's just uh Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. <laughs> All right, everybody, it's time for one fucking hour. I'm Evan Husney and uh, joined, of course, to my left uh, by Tom Fitzgerald. Tom. Howdy, guys. And to my right, uh, Marcus Herring. Marcus, say hello. Hey, hey, guys. How are you doing tonight? Good, good, good. It's Friday. Uh, <laughs> it is. We are ready to get into uh, this week's uh, film, uh, probably one of the most uh, famous, beloved horror films of all time. That is George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead, the original, the OG Dawn of the Dead, of course. And uh, let's start that clock. Uh, so here uh -oh. we go. Uh, and I say uh-oh because an hour is not enough. <laughs> I, I agree. I, guys, so, I accidentally watched the Tom, uh, the, the Zack Snyder version. <laughs> Whoopsie. Um, all right, just... <laughs> the clock is live. All right. To uh, start this off, Tom, I mean, again, you know, this movie, as you said, has been burned to the ground in terms of people uh, talking about it and vamping on it. But what do you think is really one of the more, now that we've all rewatched it again, what do you think is one of the more real underappreciated, overlooked, or, uh, you know, uh, qualities of this movie? Well, right off the bat, we, uh, we were discussing how uh, right in the core of the film, uh, you know, the, our four protagonists, um, you know, they're, they're posted up in the mall, right? And they, they sort it all out. By this part of the film, they've figured it all out. They got the trucks in the front and they've uh, sweeped the whole place for any zombies. So really they do, it becomes a kid in a candy store, almost like a children's fantasy moment uh, for them. And they become incredibly bourgeois. And uh, <laughs> they probably, none of them are probably, well, none of them were, is rich enough to buy every single thing in a shopping mall. But uh, it, it's all theirs now. And it's this incredible scene of what we're calling consumer porn, where <laughs> uh, if you think about it, it is almost a wish fulfillment fantasy, maybe for the average American, you know, and it's because it's this simple. It's just money's useless. You don't have to buy anything because you own everything. And by the way, that will come back to bite them later. Uh, Literally. Them, them feeling, yes, that uh, they own everything. So. You know, we we're going to throw on this montage and uh, it's a classic moment for a lot of super fans, but we just thought we'd remind everyone uh, that inside of this horrifying splattered nightmare <laughs> is this incredible moment of, uh, yeah, I would just call it consumer wish fulfillment, uh, you know, bourgeois uh, porn. You got it? Now, one of the things about this movie that gets talked about a lot is the idea of you know, the zombies is this allegory for, you know, the mindless uh, Americans and consumerism and things like that. But I think one of the overlooked things is that, that it really extends to the protagonist here. What an amazing moment. I love that. Track. Absolutely. Yeah, I felt the same way, Evan. It's like, uh, it's like, it's, it's a, we spend the whole first half looking at the, the zombies one around the mall, looking all duh, and all the old, and all the merchandise and stuff. And we, we totally get the consumerist commentary but then we get kind of lost in this moment as these as these protagonists get swept up in their own sort of like consumerist heaven you know and they and uh, we kind of forget 
like we, we're living through their eyes, we kind of forget that um, that we were just kind of sneering at the zombies before for going back to the mall, and all of a sudden we're kind of lost in these guys' fantasies. And, and I think, uh, well, just real quick, one of the things I like about uh, this montage is that Romero and the team, I guess, had to figure out how to represent consumerism. So they went like, oh, we got to have a big reel of cheese. we got to have expensive <laughs> olives. You know, I thought that that sounds like a fun thing that they wound up doing, like, like right here with Roger. Like, oh, that's a good olive. Or actually, I don't know what it is. And, you know, so it's just funny, like, yeah. the details to articulate consumerism. Right. I love the music. The music cues keep changing in the section too. It's like it starts off that kind of like ragtime, like uh, you know, library music. Uh, like yeah, what's well, oh, like a American industrial? <laughs> Sorry, full stop. Yeah. That is my favorite moment. Pop quiz. That's my favorite moment in this movie. Manja. <laughs> like, like like Ken Forey's like, oh, how about a big loaf of bread? You know. <laughs> But we're um, starting to lose it too. He's like drinking pickle juice and stuff, and that's not well, session. The, the, He's just the, savoring it. The thing that's also amazing, you know, about this about this whole section is that it's really seductive to the audience too. Like as the audience, you're just like, "Fuck yes, I want to be I there. I want this." To then where when the bikers show up and they crash the party, you're like, "Oh, that sucks." You know, you yeah, exactly. it cr- the crushes you. Not only are going to be thieving everything, but there's also wanton destruction. And it feels like, it's almost like there's a couple shots of the same consumer product that you see uh, our, our buddies, you know, enjoying that later, you know, maybe you see the bikers just destroying. And I just, I don't know, it's a nice dynamic. It's a nice epilogue, you know, because you later see um, what I guess are rebellious acts, you know, in context of the bikers uh, kind of rejecting, you know, what the coming 80s yuppieism, you know, and like, it's like a haagen ice cream kind of world. And these bikers are like not having it, you know. You want totally sandwich at best. It's Can't great. let the moment pass without mentioning those awesome old video games too. All the uh, electromagnetic oh games and like yeah. it's I, that's when I was rewatching it this time. It's I hadn't remembered that there were all those old games in there. It's mm-hmm. really cool. Well, and, and now to speak to this, just to kind of um, to uh, to you know kind of stew in this really great part of the film, um, you know, uh, you know, I watch it and sometimes I do get lulled because there's even more of this period of the film where um uh, roger and francine no not roger sorry uh, uh flyboy and francine are you know they're the couple and they and they're being served by um you know uh peter ken Forey, uh you know and he's like enjoy your dinner and they have this romantic uh candlelit dinner in the middle of uh, there's a romantic candlelit dinner in the middle of london it's amazing right yeah and so there's I mean, also a fondue party <laughs> right and, yeah i'm saying you, you kind of you really really start forgetting and the film gets you really far from the zombie apocalypse by that point it's even more than the consumer porn stuff and of course though and it, it caught me a few times in my life of watching this film many many times i was getting lulled i was forgetting but then if you cue it up uh we find uh peter ken Forey on the um roof getting a little exercise and oh, i'm yeah. starting to get even i'll just speak for myself i'm starting to get even further adrift from the zombie apocalypse you know <laughs> And this is great footage, great editing, great uh, compositions. Oh, you yeah. Know, he, did, he did TV commercials. This feels like it's kind of TV commercial instincts. Of totally. Editing. But okay, so check it out. So, all right, you know, cool, you know, just another day at the mall. Bam. That's genius. That's great filming. That is great. Letting the ball fall on the fucking hordes. And uh, by the way, 
you know, the bikers are coming soon after in this part, and uh, the consumer dream, the bubble burst. You know what I mean? It is really what I think. It is really the, the sort of the, one of the key elements that makes this movie so magical. You know, is that like just to take a second, take you know twenty thirty minutes to let it all kind of slip away, and to have that sort of like control over your own narrative and your own filmmaking to just say like I've set up, I've queued up all the zombie stuff. Now I'm just going to let the audience forget about it. It's, it shows an amazing kind of restraint and brilliant, you know, imagination too. Right, but he was also working on something because. In the reality of the motion picture, it's very possible that these guys would be starting to lose it uh, and, and start getting soft and forgetting. And also to the point of the story and to all those great characters and characterizations, it's Flyboy who, um, you know, Fly, what happens is uh, Ken, Forey, Peter, he, when the, when the uh, bikers come in, the horde come in, he's like, just let them pass, let them steal a bunch of shit, hide, don't let them know where you are. They don't re- they're not here for us. They want to grab all the bunch of shit. So if you notice, Flyboy is like, that's our stuff. Like, it's pretty <laughs> yeah. know, clearly articulated. And, and he fucks everything up because he starts shooting them. I don't want to get too much into the plot. I'm just saying that, like, like Flyboy um, got really, um, he got really, he couldn't he handle feelings. it. He, he couldn't handle it. Well, he, he couldn't handle that, you know, he's got to give up his things, you know, and that's one of the things that is amazing about the bikers before they show up. You know, they have that little interaction on the radio <clears throat> and they're like, we don't like people who don't share. You just fucked up big time. And then that's what Crazy. kicks it all off. And w- one of the things I just wanted to comment real quick, going back to the uh, consumer porn we were talking about, too, and also the fondue and, and those moments, the candlelight dinner. And, and of course, the racquetball scene kicks off really the malaise that starts to set in, which I really think is absolutely uh, a brilliant touch. And and this movie, I, I think, is so artfully made. It's such a piece of art in that it really gets it gets the whole top to down picture of, you know, uh, American consumerism, you know, from the top to bottom in this movie. It's not just some simple allegory of zombies in a mall and they just want to, you know, buy, you know, consume. Sleepwalking from yeah, store to store. store. No, it, yeah. it really is so well done and how not only do we get that consumer porn package there, but we also get that whole other second half of it where they're just they, they have everything they want. Now they're getting depressed. And there's that amazing shot where it's, you know, zooms out to show, you know, Flyboy and Fran in bed and she's just smoking the cigarette. And and they're they're I mean, they have it all. They're on top of the world while the rest of the world is going to shit, by the way. I know. So they have everything in the world's descending to hell and they're like, dep- it's amazing. It's such a. Uh, yeah. The- the word ennui comes to mind. It's a great shot. You, you pointed that out. You reminded me, you showed me the other day. Yeah. Um, that, uh, and you know, just maybe to start, you know, get, getting into this other thing that I really appreciate about the film, you know, a lot of people, I don't know what people think of the movie. Like, you know, maybe not the super fans, but I think people just think it's a crazy gore, you know, freak out. Mm. And it is. Mm-hmm. It's insane. We can get into that later. Yeah. But my point is, there's four main characters, and I really love every one of those people. And um, like I said before, um, we were talking about Roger earlier. And, um, you know, uh, the first one we lose. And he he has his cross to bear, which is um, he's kind of a, a, a you know, he, he, loses, he loses control. He kicks ass. Him and Ken, when they're together, they're a great team. But he starts slipping and he starts getting, you know, it's the classic thing. He starts getting um, really cocky. He starts mm-hmm. playing with the ace of spades. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. <laughs> he's just, he's not like, 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 like Ken is. Ken, you know, the character Peter, Ken's really straightforward. That's his, that's his characterization really. He's just maintain, hold on. 
And so anyway, Roger loses it. And um, but one of the things that I love is before Roger loses it, there's some really great male camaraderie. And I don't really usually respond to that stuff. But I love those two guys together. Like there's a stuff earlier where, you know, they don't know each other in the narrative of the film. And they mm -hmm. go like, uh, hey, the old okie doke. And it's like, totally, you know, like, like, you know what I'm saying? That <laughs> yeah. part? like, OK, we divert them, you know, and we go, hey, come here, zombies. And they go to the other side of the store mm -hmm. escape. So it's just, but they just know. And I mean, they're kind of, they're soldier guys. They're both cops. Yeah. They're cops. They're soldiers. Right, right. Anyway. Well, they're, they're so, actually you know, SWAT team members. They're SWAT team members. Yeah, right, they're cops. Right. 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 Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. right. But they share that. But they have a sort of understanding. They have a sort of a shared humanity because, um, you know, uh, Peter shoots the uh, the racist cop at the beginning who's like just blowing right. people away. Yeah. And, totally. uh, and Trooper doesn't like rat him out. So they have, an under they have a sort of a humanity of like, there's chaos, but we're both holding on to like, you know, the rules of being a person about being a real human being. Humanity, you know? yeah. Well, the, yeah. The, and that's, I think that's why he lets them go in the helicopter with him because there's so many other people around that they could take, but they choose to take him. Yeah. You know, this, this there's, a, there's, a, there's a, the selfishness is already kicking in too. There's that guy that walks up to the helicopter. And he's like, "You got any cigarettes?" Oh yeah, yeah. And they're like, "No." I love that moment. And then no. and then they fly then they away with. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they light up as they fly away, and I think that's part of. I think that was. You know, that scene sort of teeing up, you know, your own instincts of the audience of like, you know, that it's time to be selfish and look out for yourself, you know, but, um, but in each other, like you have, a yes, small, yes. in each other as a unit. small yeah. core group, like you're, uh, everyone else is not in this group. Us four are. It's yeah. awesome. And actually it's, it's a great even, cue. Yeah. It's not even just male camaraderie because Francine's there and I think they underestimate her and maybe she herself, you know, like I'm the girl, I'll stay back and, you know, make a you know, um, some food for you guys, but she, you know, she knows how to use a gun and she knows how to fly the uh, helicopter, you know? So and well, then one thing about boy. her character, sorry, one, 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 one thing about Fran, sorry to cut you off about that too, is like, you know, when, when they leave her to go kind of explore the mall and see all the things and the potential of what the mall can get them, you know, she's held back and then the Hare Krishna, you know, comes to stalk her and she's left without a gun, of course, and she's in harm's way. But as soon as, um, they they meet up with her again. They're trying to be like, oh, you know, she's almost died. She almost died in that moment. But like, oh no, Fran, there's all these things out there that you should see. What we got and all the supplies we got. And they try to kind of seduce her into this, you know, sort of right. you know capitalist paradise that they just came from. <laughs> Downstairs, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, right. She's or, the one that's resisting it the most. You know, like exactly. She, come, like, she knows. She's constantly like she won't accept Flyboy's ring. You know, she uh, right. There's a part where she's put on the makeup. But just it takes only a little announcement over the loudspeaker to pull her out of it, and she pulls off her yeah, like that's a great eyelash. Movie. She's sort of resistant to. She doesn't get caught up in it as much as everybody else. I guess maybe she's got bigger issues with like the baby. You know, she's got bigger things going on. You know, she's not like I don't know. She's yeah, not as easily distracted by um, the glittering consumer porn. Totally, <laughs> uh, I know. Totally. Uh, well, and then there's Flyboy though. I was going to say. Um, his journey's great, and I really like it. <laughs> and, and part of the reason I'm bringing this up is maybe it's um it's backhanded compliment. Uh, is you know who are these people? These actors, you know. And I think yeah. That, and you know the, what I mean is the actress who plays Francine. I I'm not sure she ever really acted almost at all. Like maybe she did like a little local theater, and she kind of you know fluffed her resume or something and got the. I'm not job. sure. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and then and then and all the other people. Um, and Ken looks like he has some star power, but. He wasn't really proven either, but they're all really great. And I guess really it's partly great. a test to the casting, you know, because mm -hmm. Flyboy, for instance, like I'm a big Flyboy guy. I love him. I love his journey. <laughs> he's very flawed. Um, he's very human. Yes, he's he very feels, flawed. There's something you know that he, you know from the beginning, you kind of have a suspicion. He's got a darkness to him and a flawed 
character quality that you know he's i don't he's i, I have a feeling the whole time he's not going to make an ego problem yeah there's something about it that's a little dark you know that you know it's not going to work out for him but he's, he's okay. gonna have to pay for it he's just he's going back and forth a little and he's learning a lot like they all are in this crisis you know and um and it's really tragic and i i, mean, I don't know just talking about the four characters like you know ken forey is uh boy is that a movie star man totally you know, that's he really yeah, kills it in the film, you know? Yeah. Like, all his line readings, like, well, how about the best line ever in the film, which is the last line? She's like, uh, you know, they're flying up the helicopter, and she's like, we don't uh, have much gas. And he's like, cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's, he's something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, right. But okay. the thing like, about, like, yeah. Fuck the, yeah. Uh, fucking Ken Fjord. Fjord. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to back back to Flyboy <laughs> for a second, but, 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 but Flyboy, Flyboy kind of has, like, the most the more the most fascinating arc you know out of um out of all the characters in that you know he he's the one that goes like as we said overboard with the consumerism and and wanting things and to protect the things you know to shoot out all the bikers and everything Selfish. he gets totally yeah. totally succumbed by it so far that then he becomes the zombie you know and he becomes and then how awesome right. <laughs> is it how fucking great is it too like in uh, just like the fucking script uh to have him lead all the other zombies back to their to the apartment area. Yeah. So He's, great. How about the scratching? There's, yeah. At, at, at what proves <laughs> to not really be a, a, like a real legit cement, you know, wall, you know, like this thing is coming apart in my hands. I, I'm yeah. remembering it. And, well, I mean, if you really want <laughs> right. to get into it, the whole elevator part is yes. the best, the best moment in any horror film, the best shock edit. I'm not talking about like the stupid hand that comes out at the end of Carrie, like, Get that shit out of there. The best thing ever are the elevator doors open and they're like, the zombies come in. And yeah. I feel what? terrifying, but I also feel so bad for Flyboy. I know. It's over. And I'm like, yeah. no, because he gets shot earlier and I'm like, oh, he's pretty fucked already. He's been yeah. shot. <laughs> and he's trying to get out of that goddamn elevator and he doesn't quite make it. And they, you know, they, they turn him into zombie right then in the elevator. Then, incredible filmmaking. Uh, the doors open and they take one of those uh, corny kind of library music goof songs and they drench it in Space Echo. Yeah, I was yes. going to bring up Space Echo yeah, too. Yeah, it's it's so <laughs> fucking powerful. Yeah. Like, like slow. The rate is so slow. On repeat. Yeah. And, uh, and, then he just, and then we just live there for a while and he does that great sort of weird walk and uh, he looks so horrifying. And, oh, the, the gun. The gun twirling in his on his finger. Whoever fucking whoever stepped in with he that did. detail, I know that he did because he he I saw in a doc or something he was like um, I got this I have some ideas <laughs> amazing you know so any the way he walked or anything like that because his leg was yeah. injured you know so he walked with his leg kind of screwed up so I mean that's just more great stuff um, yeah can we so can great. we touch There's on a, oh sorry go ahead go ahead oh uh, you know I was just I, I don't know what my lead in is for but I I feel like the movie is so. Like they do such a great job of projecting themselves into that world. Someone mentioned the script writing earlier, and like mm -hmm. it's so they did such a good job of like putting yourself into the zombie world, and then logically, you know, figuring out what the next move would be and what the next move would be, and it all makes sense. And I think that's part of like the reward you get as the audience is like it's so logical. There's a part in the middle too where like the eye patch, like you know, TV director guy is going like. Scientist. It must be logical. It must be. Yeah, he's a scientist, right? Yeah, he's like, it must be logical. We must think logically. And I was just, that point hit me because I was like, God, that's what Romero is doing. He's like thinking logically about this film. Like, what would you do? And it's like, you know, sets up, it starts off in the city in this chaos. And then they move, then you go out to the country, but the country's all messed up too. 
and they end up at this mall, and then, you know, you got to block the doors. You think maybe I could cohabitate with the zombies for a while. Then you're like, no, let's clear them all out. Just everything is, like, set up one after the other, this sort of logical progression throughout the movie. And it all makes sense. And I think that's part of, like, what you think is so brilliant about it when you're watching it back. Like, of course, that's what you would do. I think what's so brilliant about it, uh, off off of that, is, yes, there's, there is there is practical, you know, like, yeah, let's think practically and logically. But at the same time, the characters aren't necessarily acting super practical because it's like amidst, like we said, this global crisis, here they are, they flock to this thing and they're eating fondue and eating olives and stuff too. <laughs> like it really shows the darkness of, you know, I think America in, in, in a lot well, of ways. How about this? It's, it's a yeah. honey trap somewhat. Honey because trap, yeah. They, yeah, they get to the mall and, uh, you know, we know the film so well, but... Uh, you forget that in the very beginning of them getting at the mall, they think like, let's get some supplies, get back in the helicopter and keep going somewhere. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? But then uh, it's Ken Forey, uh, Peter, who says like, you know, I've been thinking, let's, this is not bad. I'm doing the math, you know? So, um, so at first it kind of, it makes a practical sense. Let's hang out here and like, uh, maybe see if like, uh, you know, like some huge government agency comes sweeping in or this thing, uh, ends, you know, like, like all the dead die again, you know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, let's sit it out yeah. a little, but then they really get into a honey trap and they're like, uh, Hey, this ain't bad, you know? And then we see the decay, like we're saying, and like you saying that it becomes ennui, you know, a mm. dissatisfaction because, well, because they capitalist really are malaise. <laughs> yes, that's right. And because they're, they're getting out of the context of the zombie apocalypse, it's not so pressing, you know? It's brilliant. Mm -hmm. Can I, this is what you said, Marcus, and, and what we're all talking about right now, he's got me generally thinking about um, not zombie movies, but specifically this one. You know, um, one thing I like about the formula, for lack of a better term, is that there's horror movies, there's monsters, right? Um, like there's supernatural monsters, Ugh, Squid Man or something. But this <laughs> is just human beings, fellow human beings. Yes. Like, the, like, like two of you guys could die and become zombies, and then you're my monsters. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, right. You know, and, and then on and on. So, and then the, yeah, and then the, then the, the sort of barbaric people are like the even bigger monsters, you know, or like right. other humans are actually right. a bigger threat than the zombies, even. Right. Which is, know? which is, um, introduced again by Romero with, um, well, the first one and this one, you know, the, the bikers and the, the rednecks. No, but I'm, I'm more getting into like, um, it reminds me of the montage that maybe we could pull up of just, getting mm -hmm. acclimated to like the zombies because what i'm getting at is in, in a way night of the living dead the uh, zombies all kind of looked sim homogenous because in a way i guess it was sort of a homogenous area everyone's kind of living rural in pennsylvania and the normal farmers, question the first question you know. is always but um what i'm saying is uh no, in this film because for some reason it's 1979 and just people were living with more variability you know it's urban you know even this is the sort of the suburbs but it's more urban maybe and what you're what i'm getting at is you see like there's guys in um brooks brothers suits you know what i mean and then there's a baseball player there's a nun i love there's, the baseball player oh the best but i love these guys uh, i love all this hockey stuff you know and so what i'm saying is to me it etches it more vividly that these are just a random bunch of dumbasses like waiting at the bus stop you know what i mean yeah. or like you know at denny's you know, like, so it just feels more vivid to me that this is just average people and with all the variability of their clothing and um, and, 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 and how they read what kind of lifestyle they have. So, anyway, just if you look at that, some of these shots. Are they, can you see it? Okay. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Anyway, it just got me A lot of the, yeah, it's amazing. 
a lot of the first half right a lot of the first half of the movie has a really imaginative like you know uh, almost like paintings you know of like you know like the, each little scene the movie will be broken up into little scenes right oh and yeah. each little scene has like something a little beautiful amazing little painting like there's one part where like the zombie is sitting in the fountain he's got stones in his hands you know or yeah there's a lot of just like there's a little you mentioned the baseball player there's a moment where like fran is staring through the glass at him and he looks like a baby almost just kind of staring back at her oh that moment's amazing neither one of them are neither one of them are going for each other they're both just kind of like exhausted looking at each other for a second there's like a little lull and there's just all these little moments of like you know those movies like color pomegranates or something or like el topo (laughs) where it's like a little vignette painting that's this beautiful little like surreal image this movie's just a mise-en-scene not to say yeah that's right this movie's just jam-packed with those two you know little like vivid paintings you know yeah one thing well, i want to say about that real quick just in terms of like we should touch on george you know in terms of just being such an awesome you know fucking filmmaker making this movie like uh you know like the the structure of the movie even from the very onset you know where where it opens in the in in the television station and then going to the tenement which i'm sure we're going to talk about and all the other and you know and the rednecks which we should definitely talk about all that stuff are these little packaged vignettes that really is kind of um a singular structure to a movie to kind of have that well before we even get to the freaking mall and the main story even kicks in. Like yeah. it kind of reminds me of a movie like Sorcerer or something where we have like all these different little vignettes even before we get to the main show. There's like and, feeling the helicopter is a whole thing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Really? That and 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 that whole thing and and that's just so cool. You'd never see that today. You'd have a committee of fucking people in a you know studio that would naysay structuring a movie in that way completely because it's so which is. Which makes it amazing, but also just the way that he sh- was filming this film. You know, uh, being in the mall, having access to it for months, and being able to just come up with these improvisational little moments, film them, cover it like crazy, film dozens of these little scenes, and then, you know, when it's all said and done, he goes back and he cuts it himself. And really, then the movie comes to life. And that, I think, that's is what just, the magic is. That's the magic. And he understands that, you know, and he's so good at editing, it's unreal. Yeah, it's just like coverage, 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 and this may or may not manifest in the film, but I've got it. Like he, like he might, you know, like just think, just get. Um, what's that thing they say? Like, uh, don't describe a city, describe one brick. You know, uh, in mm-hmm. the city, and you can learn about the city. Some bullshit like that. What I'm saying is, if you just look at one thing, what we saw earlier was um, all those guys kind of like goofing around, like you know, like uh, toddlers about like the hockey equipment. You know that part we just saw. Yeah. In that earlier montage. It's like he maybe just said, okay, uh, hey, look, there's all this hockey, hockey equipment. I've got my zombies who are extras. Why don't you guys just start goofing around with them? You know, exactly. I can see that. It's like, and it's like he just shoots a lot of it. And it's like, let me get this angle. How about you coming from inside the net and looking out, you know, on and on? So it's just there. And then later, much later, he's in the editing bay and he's like, I don't know, like, oh, yeah, that. You know, like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. that gets me the little mo- that gets me that little thing that I need for this part of the movie, you know, and that happens a lot. Like, and, and I think Marcus is an even better example that the guy just bugging out on the penny sitting like squat in the fountain. Yes. That yes. does a lot because it's yeah. not because he's not even it's just um, it's yeah. flavor. And that's the thing he's created. And it is kind of like an art film or like Hordorowski it is it this, is there's this um, magical kingdom, magical palace that this this mall is it's this insane grotesque mall of dead people 
and we're um, let's just really get into how that would play out, which speaks to another thing that I like. And we we're talking about earlier, which is again, Marcus, you're bringing this up. It's like um, when the fantastical and the reality, you know, like uh, um, what's the line, I guess is what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. everything on the other side that's not fantastical is absolute gritty, like like bus stop, you know, like uh, <laughs> yeah. subway token reality. It's yeah. nothing. There's no variable. No one has magical powers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like Jason Seven where like he is, te- you know, telekinesis or anything yeah. with a little girl. I hate that shit in general. And that would have ruined it. And it's just absolute reality. Mm-hmm. And then there's just one fantastical thing, you know. Which is brilliant because, I mean, that mm. is really what art is all about because it's one variable of otherwise the reality that we all live in, we can mm. all relate to, and it looks really familiar. One variable, it's, it's intense and crazy, but it is the dead walking and they eat you, you know, and all that. So um, uh, he plays that out really nicely because he has the rigor of reality. And when it comes up against this fantastical thing, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just, uh, it's even more devastating. It's yeah. rounded. It's rounded. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Like that, you know. Like you, you could say, like that this movie be a lot different under a lesser filmmaker, you know. But oh it's like God. something you don't even have to like imagine, because we've got so many examples of that. Yes. In infinitum over well, the years, I, you know, I, like there's yeah, like hundreds like, of zombie movies like that are not this. Season one, Walking you know? Dead, even. <laughs> yeah. No. This is just that. This really has it all. It really has it all. And I think one of the things about George Romero too. Yeah, I mean, obviously as an editor, he's amazing, but as a writer, I think what's also really cool is that the subtext of all, or just the allegory that he's making about, you know, consumerism, even, I mean, Night of the Living Dead, too, I mean, also says so much more than just just a being a zombie movie. But this movie, too, and he does it in such a awesome way in that it's it, it is very subtle, and it's not heavy-handed. And something like today, if you look at movies today, like where they any sort of horror movie that tries to inject any sort of like, you know, social critique message. of society, yeah, social message, it's beating you over the fucking head, you know. Just everything's be- doing that. Everything's just, just beating you over the fucking head. Like, you know, in terms of what this you know yeah. elevated you know horror genre is today, you know, it's 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 just ah, man, it's like yeah. uh, it's so didactic and and gross, and 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 he does it in such a beautifully subtle way that even sorry, even just like your 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 more typical boneheaded horror movie fan. Could 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 watch this and just also enjoy it as a great adventure film too, and not and, and not necessarily need action. to get into action and not need to get into all the brilliant subtext that's in every scene, you know, which is really great yeah, about it. Works on a few levels, yeah, absolutely. I mean, in fact, I was just thinking to circle back to our whole consumerism thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had the uh, the cannibalism of the zombies in you know, the first one, which yeah. that didn't happen before. There was the, the definition of a zombie. Before Night of the Living Dead was not, and then they tear them apart and eat them. You know, like yeah, he invented yeah. that. But then what he did was, I think that's that's a continuation of the consumerist commentary because totally the zombies are consuming. You know, now this might actually dovetail well into something that this might mm-hmm. be counterintuitive, guys. Like we've been saying, mm-hmm. like hey, like what's a what's this little nook and cranny in this otherwise you know film that's just bathed in like the white light of exposure, like. Okay, how about this? Let's talk about the gore, you mm. know, which is, you know, that's like a very leading thing, you know, for a lot of people, a lot of hyper horror fans. But let's talk about the gore in the context of the era. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, we were throwing this back and forth briefly. And, um, you know, there's, there's a history of gore. And, I'm, and I thank you for bringing this up, Evan. It was like, um, 
American uh, horror didn't really uh, get that uh, graphic and his gore so much. Europe, no. yes, of course. Yes. Mario yeah, yeah. Baba, and, you know, and all those guys. And, and of course, Argento is involved in, in bankrolling Dawn of the Dead. So there's an Italian influence. And that probably didn't hurt to have it being obscenely graphic. So for America, what I'm saying is <coughs> it's 1979 when it comes out. I don't think America was ready. Let's remind people this, first of all, that couldn't get an R rating. And they didn't even bother. The film doesn't, it's not even X-rated. It's just, because that would have really hurt the box office, but it's just like, it was just a, a disclaimer that no one can set foot in this theater under 17. And so there's that. And I think it, I think it did a few things. I think it was overwhelmingly um, uh, uh, intense mm-hmm. for people. Uh, there's a famous anecdote uh, that uh, Janet Maslin, the uh, New York Times uh, movie critic, uh, it was right at the head exploding. She bailed. And the head exploding first five minutes or something. Yeah. Hit me one more time. Hit me. Hello. So uh, she just split. Like she did five minutes of this movie. And footnote, funny enough, she apologized to uh, Romero's uh, family recently and said, I should have given the movie more of a chance. And uh, I actually like it. And uh, But she split. She was just like, no. Like this, like we're crossing a line in American cinema, which kind of reminds me of like punk rock almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, in the cultural context of it all it's just like pushing extremes and this was just another example of like whoa how far are we going where because the, the restrictions were uh, freed up in uh, in culture you know in depicting uh, well porn and, and then extreme violence and this was the, the decade of that was ending on a really extreme note as far as violence with this film now some people also though it became a midnight movie and so it also became sort of a freak show and uh, I don't know, I never saw one of these movies, but it's just like um, screenings. But people would hoot and holler and laugh. And like, you know, the, the whole uh, theater just smells of uh, weed smoke. So mm-hmm. it was also kind of a party freak out, like outrage, almost like John Waters. Like, oh, my God, like the machete went in the guy's head, you know. Yeah. So some people, it was like a crazy party. Some people, it was a harrowing, numbing experience. But no one could ignore it. Maybe that's I mean. Awesome. I mean, nothing was nothing came close to the violence in this, you know, that that is in this movie, you know, prior. I mean, there are some movies like I think you could make an art. I mean, like El Topo was pretty violent or pretty bloody, you know, in some of the scenes. And it's a little Herschel, more complicated too, because it is, it, it is, and all like, this shit happening in it. In the yeah, yeah, and then like Herschel Gordon Lewis and da da da, but like but it's so you know, bad, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's more like you, you probably had to been on 42nd Street to really see some of the grimier shit, but this is being released everywhere. And yeah. um, I don't think people were ready for Guts. Like, like you know, because also Guts were in Night of the Living Dead, which also pushed the envelope in the, in the 60s. That was 10 years earlier. 10 and years uh, earlier, bites, people were just like... The bites are so visceral, too. Every time someone takes a bite, it's like, know. it's very, it's wince-inducing. It's, you it's know? after um, the head exploding is the... Um, I'm assuming... The girl, wait, on, the girlfriend, is uh, is like Milito. I, I can't remember. You know, like some, uh, <laughs> like her boyfriend. I think turned into a zombie, and she's like uh, embracing him, and uh, he just tears apart her fucking shoulder. Put on the gut scene, yeah. Uh, if you have it there, gut munch, because this is just this inside a film with explosive, outrageous, obscene gore. This is the moment, you know. Yeah, unreal. I mean, unreal. If you weren't ready for this in in the seventies, you would. I, it's, it's still gross. It's, it's so fucking crazy, you know. It really It's a scene that inspired a, a thousand filmmakers to go out and like, yeah. um, you know, get totally. some like pig guts from the 
you know, yes. Polonia brothers. Well, it influenced <laughs> Europe. It influenced Italy. You know, kind of went full circle, and Italy was like trying. Everybody's pushing the envelope, but that's that's the beginning uh, of something. Uh, bellissimo, like bellissimo. Not, like it or not, yep. or, or for better or for worse. I mean that. I mean, but also just again, forgetting maybe its context in in horror movies with gore. It's just. I think you made the, the best point, actually, Evan. I didn't even think of this. There's always been these kind of slime films, but they're usually like kind of underneath the rock in urban areas. But this this fucking thing played malls. Yeah, uh, ironic. But you know, yeah. it played theater. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and kids weren't supposed yeah. to go, but I'm sure kids figured out a way. Or teenagers, at least, it goes huge with teenagers. And it's just like, uh, it's just like that was unprecedented. So, um, uh, well, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. The regionalness, please. the regional regionalness of this movie, as we were talking about, is a great segue into a scene that I think we should touch on. We were we were talking about the vignette style of this movie, how he's putting oh, together right. these little pieces in the movie that are just fucking great, and 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 this is one of the best where it just exists, self-contained, a little a little self-contained moment here that is just another touch, another detail of why this movie is so fucking awesome. Here yeah. we go, Re redneck party. And and like Doc style, you know? Yeah, exactly. Verite. Yeah, which, Verite. Well, you know, it's, pretty, it's pretty Verite. It's a callback to Night of the Living Dead. You know, like uh, it gets pretty Verite too, you know, um, just these pickup shots. Because, well, like I said, it's an extended family. And he probably just put out a call like, hey, guys, let's get up at dawn on Sunday and just go to this field and let's just play dress up. And, you know, and, uh, oh, and these I guys love just, it. And these it and sort of the realist moment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And all these people other than occasionally shooting a quote-unquote zombie, they're doing what they would otherwise be doing. <laughs> At this totally. Area, in this area. You know, like, this is not an uncommon s Sunday, you know? Right. This is a Pennsylvania Rednecks, I guess, right? Yeah. No, it's great. And there's that great country song. And, uh, and again, the editing is still just a monster, because I know this guy likes montages, you know? And I, I really respond to that. He, I think he's always looking for getting a little montage in there you know what i mean and this is a perfect example and uh he was just I mean, trying to make a film so watchable you know you no. don't really get there's, there's no not a moment to really get bored and it. it's always something happening yeah and that's love, why it's got that imagine sorry uh just there's that just edging closer to the beginning but it's got that amazing 70s thing where like it just starts off in the chaos of the movie you know and these days, like, you know, there would have a whole, there'd be a whole movie before this one of like the origin story leading up to it, you know, and I know I, it's like, it's so tiresome, laborious, you know, I think we talked about this in the last one too, but it's like, I just love how, uh, it's like deliverance, you know, it just starts off in the middle of the chaos. Everyone's screaming at each other. And, uh, you know, I love that. It's like, I really cool. miss that. Approach you you act, you actually said in the Deliverance show, Tom. You you said about one of your favorite moments in movies is 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 waking up in sheer terror, and um, this is how this movie opens. You know, she wakes up, and then yeah. we're, we're we're just Francine is yeah, yeah. Francine is literally waking up from a nap, and you know what's horrifying? I don't think she had a bad dream. She didn't have a nightmare. She maybe had a nice dream. Yeah, and she woke up. And she's like, oh, my God, that's right. This thing that's been happening for seven hours. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where everything's upside down and so on and so forth. It's kind of like how and last year and, felt. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I was just going to say. Yeah. I know, <laughs> a lot of that. Yeah. It's, it's dangerous to even that. get into it. But it, <laughs> yeah. if it was an yeah. allegory for the now, it's, yeah, it's. It's too depressing to talk about. But yeah, there's too much. Well, the only yeah, the only thing I'll the only thing I'll say about the about the present day allegory to Dawn of the Dead uh, that 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 leapt out at me. It was hard to ignore. 
is in that scene where uh, Roger's dying, you know, in the scene where he's he's passing away, and you just hear the eye patch scientist, you know, droning on and saying, uh, "This issue that's happening outside right now is not about Republicans versus Democrats." And I just was chuckling because I was like. <laughs> Wow. And that's what preempts him saying you must remain logical. So I was like, wow. That's right. This is how old? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? Wow. Well, that's the yeah. thing. Those TV that's transmissions right. from uh from our favorite guy in the movie, Eye Patch Guy. I know. Is, um yeah, I mean that's that's the last little uh you know, tendon for us and the, our characters to uh, civilization, whatever's happening. And that actually makes me think about another thing, mm-hmm. which is, you know, we're, we're, we're tracing, we're tracking with these people, you know? And the funny thing about zombie movies, like good ones, bad ones, okay ones, like, um, like for instance, I'll say this, uh, I forgot the name actually, but the, um, land of the uh, land of the dead, maybe, but it's the one from 2005 that Romero did and not good, but they're driving from one place to another and they're going through the woods. And I was thinking, what the hell is going on in those woods? You know, it's a zombie apocalypse. And I'm like, because, you know, it's, it's you know, uh, he kept things uh, in more or less civilization. But I was just, my, um, my uh, imagination was, was triggered like, what, like zombie apocalypse in X, Y, Z. That's what I'm trying to get out of here. And so we saw one in a mall and we saw one a little bit in the urban area. Um, but then even like The Walking Dead, apologies, folks is um Ooh. that you know like you see that in, in a prison or you see it in um or in the woods actually that's what i'm trying to get at too is like you did finally see what a zombie apocalypse is like in the woods and uh it's horrible because there's nothing even there's not even like oh i'm going to jump into this room or something close the door. yeah 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 it's totally exposed but what i'm getting at too is uh there's another nice thing there's a lot of uh, nice stuff one that's pretty front-loaded nicely, there's a lot before we go to the mall. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, the thing that got me when I was a kid, I never got a chance to see it. No one would let me see it, by the way. I, I struggled, and I tried and wheeled and dealed forever, you know, when I'm like 11, 12. I just couldn't see it. I had to wait till VHS much later. But I could not see it. So I would see photos, and the one photo that got me is the scene in the basement. Yeah. Because I didn't really know what this movie was like. I didn't know how in much the tenement. The mall there was. In the tenement. Yeah, yeah, the, the, where they were dumping down the bodies of their deceased, and they were all kind of winding up in this like sort of garbage chute coming down, and they're all just stewing there, and they're not killing or eating anybody because uh, they're all just amongst themselves. But it is such a true nightmare, like Mob Rules album cover, it's kind of like <laughs> you know what I mean, like blood. Yeah. Well, just I mean like grimy <laughs> wall, blood spattered. Everyone is a different kind of horrifying nightmare, uh, you know, monster. And uh, you're guaranteed to be just torn apart to shreds. It has it's it's just such a hell world. And uh, if you could maybe throw it on, it's just uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those it's one of those parts of the movie where you know we we do, when we're at the mall we stay in the mall. That is one thing about Dawn of the Dead, when, when, right? When we hit the mall, yeah. we're in the mall. Yep. But we do get a little flavor, like in this incredible like um, you know mesonian as we said earlier, like uh, that makes it it just. I know I'm going long on this, but I'm just saying like. It hints at all the other little nightmares in oh. Pittsburgh. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You know, like, like, okay, this is one building, you know, and this is going down. Well, and it like, also what yeah. else is happening? <laughs> well, it also serves like in the movie, like it does a really good job of setting up like this one sequence, this one vignette in the tenement. I mean, fuck, one of the best parts in the movie. Yeah. But it also yeah. perfectly sets up like how yeah, just the rest of the world has gone to shit. Not only just 
zombie apocalypse, but also what's happening with the gangs and the this you know, is a Puerto Rican gang, I think, or something in this movie. Yeah. And the, the whole situation is just spelling nightmare. This is a nightmare world racist already. Cops, you know. Racist cops, yeah. yeah, lawless. Now we're throwing zombies into the. This is fucking horror. And, is, and oh, this is my favorite guy in the world. You got the volume on this? Hey, yeah. You okay down there? This must be where they dumped him in, huh? You need more men? No, it's all done, man. It's all right been done. Right here. Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's what I'd say. There's really nothing else you can say. Just yeah. Jesus Christ. Like, oh. And he's like, I'm out. I'm going to maybe keep live another day or maybe die, maybe help some people. And uh, it's a huge <laughs> crisis. And just, uh, what were you saying? It's just like, um, so the basement, anyway. The basement... Because, mm -hmm. like I said, when you get when we get to the mall, we stay in the mall the whole film, which is kind yeah. of interesting to think about. Because he made a choice about location. Because when you have this yeah. far reach, and actually, same thing with Night of the Living Dead. Well, it's like it's independent even, filmmaking, I guess. You know, well, it's no, like, I mean, he's, like he's, Reservoir Dogs or something. You know, like shooting. Oh, I'm going to get this warehouse. We'll shoot the yeah, whole thing in the I warehouse. You know, that's true. That's true. I think that's part of it. Limitations, and, I, and Night of the oh, Living man. Dead is just it's just the farmhouse. And so, but I think there's something that's. I think he probably didn't mind. Maybe because he realized there's something horrific in our imaginations going, holy shit, what's a hospital like? Movie theater, uh, you know, yeah. like what's happening to babies? You know what I mean? Because we really only get, well, not only do we have one location, we have only like a handful of our, our buddies and our heroes and, and one villain in the farmhouse in Night of Living Dead. Like, so um, it's what I'm saying is it's just a snapshot. I know we're yeah. laboring this. Just, I love that. doing cool. so well. You it's know, a cool it's snapshot. like. That, that mall must not been doing so well. How much money would it cost to buy out all those stores? No, here's what like happened. Months, you know? Yo, here's what, what happened? happened. They filmed overnight. They filmed uh, starting mm -hmm. at like 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. until 7 a.m. every single day, which is so awesome. And when it rolled down to Christmas time, because they were right at the end of the year, um, they were like, fuck, we're not putting up and down the goddamn Christmas decorations. So they actually took a break. Um, they took a whole month of December off, and that's when Romero went back and was just tinkering away in that edit room. And right. uh, sure, it paid off. No, and they and came back, the and mall, then he was able to shoot all those improv opened. things. The mall was new, you know. Right. It's like mm -hmm. you know, in '75, mm -hmm. and they right. shot. It's funny because it doesn't feel new now, you know. It, it's <laughs> funny too. Like I also one day I was looking around, going like, uh, you know, every other mall in the world now. I mean, there's there's less malls, but if you go to a mall these days, they're all chains. You know, it's all like. Oh, yeah. Cinnabon and like you know Claire's or whatever, and like this is all mom and pop shops in the mall. There's a Penny's, I guess, but yeah. um, you know everything else feels like a little mom and pop kind of. It's there's a bar, <laughs> chains <laughs> taking everything over. Yeah, yeah. There's an ice skating gun rink. store too. A gun yeah. store. Yeah. <laughs> I know. How about a gun store? You know, like there's I mean, the gun not? store with like a kind of like jungle sound effects like when they yeah. plunge into the gun store and it's like lions and chips right. and like well, that's when they flip the switch on the music it's like uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah like jungle it's crazy. i love all the music in it it's interesting like because some of it is just throwaway library like there's like fanfare like you know like horns there's real lazy kind of library dun, dun, like, dun. yeah yeah it's like tv cues no. and then there's fucking goblin which is like one of the best you oh, know rock band composer oh, i'm sure that's argento bros you know of course yeah up. of course um you know and giving mm. him a little like stylish direction with the music but it's this re really interesting blend of like um kind of throwaway tracks and then some amazing tracks and then like we were saying earlier you know really thoughtful stuff with like uh the music syncing up with the consumer 
you know, yeah, uh, the consumerist great. dream. And there's, there's, mm -hmm. there's interesting things going on with the music in this and the space echo. Like you said, there's just all these, yeah. there's a real kind of, I wouldn't say like, oh, I love the soundtrack, but there's so many great things to the soundtrack. It works great with the movie. Amazing, like, you know? there was, yeah. How about this? There was a lot of nice care to the music as well. You know what I mean? Like, you know, totally. there's no excuse to uh, to throw uh, the, the music considerations, music cues, to throw them under the bus. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you have some time, I mean, I, that, that costs money too, yeah. but like in post is what I'm saying. He, he put a lot of care into it. You know, one side note too about... Um, you know, the film is just so wild because uh, just as an example of uh, the circumstances, because how about let's just think this through. Um, there's the mall, which is un other than the zombies is normal. Right. And the consumer dream. But then when the bikers come in, there's this insane variable. And this is what's so fun about, you know, um, cre like creating a world that is just a little off, like the, the, the little cir circumstance of having the bikers biking around in the mall. Uh, in reality, in shooting it and for us, you know, hearing it, it's so loud and insane because that shouldn't be <laughs> happening. Like inside a mall, they have 20 big, you know, mufflerless motorcycles. And it's just like right. you wouldn't see or hear that in anything but a movie about zombies. You know what I mean? So Especially after the lull of like the last 20 minutes before that, you know. And then, yeah, no, it's so yeah. rude. It's it's, it's like very rude. Like, their presence <laughs> is like rude lack of a better term but like also just that sound sonically oh. you know it's um, also like who, it's yeah it's such a bummer for us as you know watching it too i mean every time i've seen this movie 20 times every time the biker gang shows up i'm like fuck you know they're I fucking know. this all up you know and it's all because they yeah. were give, francine was getting lessons and they happened to see it the yeah. timing it was it was that kind of um just the torture of bad timing where it's like she decided to have a flyboy lesson went up, ba, 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 ba. this goes that way, that goes this way. And they happen to be just like, you know, looking around. Maybe they were driving by. Maybe they were kind of scared. Maybe they were, um, you know, casing the joint. I don't know. But yeah, they went it up is and painful. Like, yeah. Painful. I felt that about the bikers, too, that it's sort of tapping into the zeitgeist of uh, or the, the collective consciousness of the 70s, you know, this biker threat, you know. You know, the, my, my take on it is... Um, and again, this kind of is uh, is hinting at where a lot of uh, zombie movies go, especially The Walking Dead. And my apologies, but like we were saying <laughs> earlier, um, you know, like uh, it becomes almost equal: bad people, living people, bad living people, and, and zombies. And 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 it is quite um, foreseeable to me that gangs and bikers, because they are already somewhat militarized and a sort of a militia that they would actually thrive and, and become basically pirates of the highway. So I thought that worked really it's well. Like it's like Mad seemed, Max kind of, yeah. Yeah, it seemed actually uh, quite realistic, you know, and uh, you know, there were there were gangs, there were th sort of hybrid of like gang biker kind of things, and especially in a weird state like Pennsylvania that gets urban and then rural. But, um, you know, they were thriving. They were still an active thing. It wasn't like a throwback thing from like, saying, oh, like in 1968. And so I could really see them getting together and actually becoming a really tight click and doing exactly what they're doing, which is literally like a pirate, you know, just like pillaging and uh, grabbing stuff and throwing them in vans. Hey, our van broke down and steal this other van, you know, and on the road and probably, you know, at the end of the day, like five years later, it'd be the bikers were the only people surviving. And how about that fucking amazing disco biker theme that they had in the movie yeah, as well? like total <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah actually uh, there's another little thing well the, what i wanted to talk about was the bikers there's 
you know, getting the minutiae, minutia, um, I was wrong when I say uh, that we, when we arrive at the mall, we stay at the mall. We spend a moment in their vehicle, the biker's vehicle. And I'd love to, I, I'm visualizing it in my head, but it's like this whole world where they have like all this like stolen, expensive CB equipment, and everything like that. And uh, it's their pirate ship. And I'm like, can we like have like a whole movie with the bikers and like, you know, like how a day goes for them, you know, and like in their weird caravan of like uh, tricked oh out uh, uh, bands. You know what I'm saying, dude? Totally. Like, that would be pretty amazing. And they look cool. And the head guy looks kind of like a beer drinking, like working class guy, but he's kind of the whole pirate thing's really gone to his head. Because I think that they would maybe be bikers and almost weekend warriors somewhat. But then this has really gone to their head because they're living what they were somewhat play acting at, you know, as bikers, like this is, this is a, uh, this is biker time, you know, as I was yeah. saying earlier, you know, like this is, is, uh, this is, a, this is a great environment for folks like this. I love Carmine, that piece. Yeah. Check um, it out. Yeah. Look at that. That pretty, I think it's, they have so an interesting cool. kind of comic oh. quality too. Like there's a part where um, they're throwing pies and there's literally like, Three Stooges sound effects going on, and then <laughs> yeah. there's the guy who's trapped inside the uh, heart monitor machine. Oh, yeah, they're they're played for like a they're goofed on a little bit too in a fun in a, in a fun way. I find it to be like a refreshing right. little blast of humor there for a second amongst all the chaos. Right. But well, it's, it's, it's definitely played for a joke though, which is kind of interesting because it is the most like. But then it know. turns into, you know, just about the most hardcore gore ever hallucinatory yeah. gore yeah <laughs> that's how that's kind of kind of resolves no but there's it's it's very humorous like there's one scene a guy's grabbing a small television one of the bikers and the other biker goes <laughs> hey what are you gonna watch on that thing and then he goes yeah you're right like shrugs and then he and what i love is he throws the small television into a large television <laughs> yeah and it's just like maybe this is a criticism of logic but i don't care because the film is somewhat in a, in a strange universe but okay you're surrounded by zombies. Do you really think, gosh, you know what I want to do right now? Check my blood pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, because he want because George just wanted that to happen. Like, he, where he just wanted arm, that guy's arm to be he stuck. He wanted his in arm torn off. Yeah. And, then goes, and then the blood pressure is going like, ding, 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 you know, uh, you know, like a jackpot. And, and it's, it's just, it's just so goofy, but it just is more of the goofy because they also throw pies at zombies, you know, but um, it's, a, it's, it's, uh, it's actually a really primo part of the film. The biker totally. section is really fun. I'm going to watch it again right now. One thing I wanted to say real quick is can we touch upon what the alternate ending of this movie was going to be for, for uh, yeah. 30 seconds? I was thinking about that. <clears throat> yeah, just like, uh, you know, because I've always been aware of it, but watching it again back and imagining that that being the ending, and, and that is, of course, uh, right, right at the end, uh, Ken Foray does actually wind up blowing his brains out in that moment. And then um, Fran climbs up the um, the ladder to the roof, and then before getting into the helicopter, she sticks her own head into the helicopter blades, and that like would have been earlier. Yeah, Dawn it was a dead. callback for it. No, yeah, of I course. know. And I think what, that uh, what I heard is they use that sound, the the special effect head is you know that the, like for that alternate scene that was they've used it for the head explosion. That's what I heard. They just kind of repaint. Yeah, and, and they filled it with. Uh, Blood-filled condoms and a shrimp cocktail, literally. All right, that was Francine's head because it's like a, and they put a beard on it. No, but no, but Evan, I totally hear what you're saying. It's um, because this is always, I don't know if this is like bug me, but Nightmare, uh, sorry, uh, Night of the Living Dead is 
the ending is really i was i was watching it once and i went wow this is like an art film i'm talking about the ending of the film the ending um, ending yeah yeah the ending 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 so it's dawn you know and of course we know that uh that was a Ben, uh, you know, the, our, our protagonist. He um, comes up from the Peter. From the cellar, and he uh, and they just shoot him. You know, he's like, eh, "It's another zombie," and maybe there's a racial component. But uh, that's oh right, right. An enormous, that's an enormous bummer because he did survive, mm-hmm. and it's dawn, and there's help, and maybe this crisis is kind of passing, like for whatever this that reason. But he has help now, and he's just dead. And 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 we and boy, we also cared a lot about him. You know, Living Dead. So, but I found that so satisfying. And then the way it ends with the creepy music and it becomes this stills montage, Night of the Living Dead. Ah, oh, uh, so Night good. Dead. Yeah, right. Okay. And, and of, of him, by the way, being carried with meat hooks to the funeral pyre. And then, oh. and, then, and then it goes back to live action and the credits already happened, creepy music, and it's dawn, and you're just watching uh, our, our, our hero and the person you care about burn, just burn it's just like what the fuck dude and so he was going to go back to the well on dawn but he didn't for whatever reason i'm not really sure but sometimes i don't like the ending of dawn again. well that's a interesting thing I yeah I, I i yeah you know no, normally we end these so shows nice. yeah no for sure uh n- normally we end these shows with you know what's the one thing uh that you didn't like about these movies or vice versa in psycho's case the great but, one fucking hour <laughs> tradition yeah the great tradition um I like the very ending where it, it it ends with ambiguity. I think that's a nice touch. Uh, we're it's, almost it, out it, of fuel. It, we're almost out of fuel. It kind of reminds me of like the thing, you know, at the end, John Carpenter's "What's Going to Happen" sort of thing. It kind of leaves it open ended, but it's just a nice poetic touch at the end. However, yeah. the moment that leads up to, you know, uh, you know, Peter with putting the gun to his head, but then he's like, "No," and then it's you know, and then he's like. Punching G. all Joe the zombies, GI Joe music. Right. That's maybe a little much. I, know. I, I think. I think that might be the one. That's partly what I'm getting at. Thing. That little. I don't. Yeah, like I'm that. actually surprised that she like came that. back. You know, like she was like taking off, and then, and then he comes out, and I was almost like she was gonna go. I thought she might even go like, well, you know, he said he didn't want to come. That really, would have been. You dark. know, she keeps going. She needs help. <laughs> she needs help though. She can't be. She's about to. Yeah, I mean. She needs the other, you know, you touched on some. The one thing that I don't like about the movie is Uh-oh. him punching the zombies. But every, I swear, every time they punch a zombie, I'm like, no way! Like you could, like a tooth could, like you know, accidentally cut your hand, <laughs> and then that would count as a bite, right? So like the zombie bit you, you know. So there'd be no way you'd punch a zombie. So every time they punch one, I'm like, like uh, close contact uh, attacking them. Yeah, yeah. They should like Fair bludgeon enough. them with something rather than Fair just bare fist. But you know what? In the reality of general zombiness in this film, you know, it's pretty wiggly and like, uh, I mean, yeah. a bite is a bite. Like mm-hmm. it might be like it has to go that far, you know. But who, who knows? But that's right. Not. So now, are we on record? With what we do not like about Dawn of the Dead is Marcus and the um, getting too cl- close contact, uh, <laughs> and, and and it could like uh, you know, uh, you know, buy the farm with that. Evan, you're saying um, the death of GI Joe moment, and I agree with you. And yeah. then maybe, I, I just my gut, my gut is saying I, I would at least like to see a different ending where it is just a bummer. Yeah. Uh, and I'm curious. I do yeah. love his last line, like I said earlier. You know, like mm-hmm. okay, let's keep on fighting. But boy, what if it did end on like just a mad sour note, like uh, it does with you know for um, like Flyboy. That's that's bad. maybe that's what he was yeah. okay with. He's like, can that be our big bummer ending? I I and think Roger like, yeah, dying I think too. The problem, 
you know, Roger dying halfway through the movie is a big fucking bummer. I mean, you want to see, you know, going back to the camaraderie between, you know, uh, Peter and Roger, like you want to see those dudes hang. I mean, real quick, sorry, I know we're running out of time. It's just so fucking great that this movie allows us the time to hang out with its protagonists for so long. And, and it's never dull. It's never boring. And, and that's what really endears us to everybody. But, I mean, when, when fucking Roger dies, man, it is a major fucking bummer. And then, of course, Flyboy. You, we, we sympathize with him because, you know, he, he's, a, he's a total bonehead. But, yeah, uh, maybe, us, maybe, right? maybe he saw it in the, maybe he saw it in the edit and he, and he, he saw... Because I think part yeah. of that alternate ending was shot. Maybe he just felt that this wasn't going to be good. We, 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 we love these people too much. And, it, of course, like a pregnant woman shoving her face into some fucking helicopter blades would have topped Night of the Living Dead, let me tell yeah, you that. That's so harsh. Well, you know but what? They could have left her. She could have flown away alone, too. I mean, I, the, the problem with the G.I. Joe moment is it's unmotivated, I guess. You know? Like, yeah, You exactly. don't see, for a movie that lays everything out logically and you understand it, you don't see what it is that makes him go like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to survive yeah. longer. Let's it's buy another day. I know. No, yeah. I know. And it's, well, you know what? Just to speak to it, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retract my thing I don't like and maybe not have one this episode because I'm on the mm. fence. I don't think that the Night of the Living Dead ending would have ended a type of like that. Would it work for Dawn of the Dead? Because they're different films and they're different tonalities and different. There's less people in Night of the Living Dead. Hundred percent. And that's and that's it, guys. Long story short, one of my favorites. I've seen it a million times, guys. One of the best. Five yeah, star. Well, one of the best piece of art. Movie. You know, for me, when I was like 13 or something, seeing that, yeah. A piece of art. One (laughs) fucking hour? All right. So (laughs) we did it. That's it. And um, well, thanks everybody for for, uh, joining us uh, for another fucking hour. We'll catch you again, uh, hopefully next week. And uh, now uh, we'd like to show you um, your moment of zen. All right. See you later, everybody. You're fashion-minded. Watch out. Big-time shopping is finally here. Monroeville Mall. Motherfucking goddamn orange peel beef. Dawn of the Dead is one of the best most original horror films I've ever seen.